Hello, welcome to another episode of... Cosmicalitosis. <laughs> We're just having a little bit of scotch and thought we'd do an episode and check in and talk to you about what it is we've been up to because we haven't done an episode in a little while. Yeah, we missed you guys. Or you missed us. All hopefully. of the above. We missed doing the podcast. Yeah, we were listening to a lot of podcasts over the weekend because we drove up to San Francisco and drove back. Got a good amount of road trip listening done. Lots of podcasts. And so what have we been up to? We went up to San Francisco. Yeah, we were up in San Francisco for a friend, long-term friend of mine's uh, little wedding celebration in the park, which was very chill and nice. That was a good... Um... Uh, I feel like whenever we were telling people what we were doing, they're like, oh, wow, where's the wedding? What's the wedding going to be? And we're like, yeah, no, it's just, they're just sitting in the park drinking. Yeah. That was all it was. I love it. Yeah, it was very much kind of like... Our style. Yes, our <laughs> style. Um, it was in Dolores Park. and it, I've never hung out there on a day where it was crazy like that because it was a rare kind of hot, sunny day in April in San Francisco. What I, From what I understand, it's rare. Temba, you still live in San Francisco. I don't know that much about the city yeah anytime the sun's out well sometimes when the sun's not out um if it's not raining there's lots of people there but especially if it's warm and sunny Mm -hmm. it can get pretty chaotic Mm. it's like i don't know kind of like the hipster hang sometimes though yeah it was a lot (laughs) it was pretty crazy i was a little hungover we'd gone out the night before to see temba's friend high rose uh, show his band the bionics play and it was 4.20, and I don't smoke weed at all anymore. I used to. But, um, you know, 4.20 comes but once a year. So I had, like, two puffs of a, of two, a joint. Two little puff puffs. Two puffs of a joint. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, got stoned, which is an, uh, it's kind of getting stoned. is kind of a difficult thing for me at this point in my life. It's like I do feel like I have to either be stoned all the time, be kind of a stoner, or not do it at all, because whenever I do it, it's just so, it affects me so strongly now that I don't smoke all the time, that uh, it's kind of, it flips a switch where it's just kind of difficult for me to function and be in public and talk mm-hmm. to people. I don't mind doing it alone. I feel like smoking alone always maybe just kind of like listen to all the, to me, it's like almost like fast forwarded thoughts that are happening. Yeah. It's like getting a little bit of a download or something or like. Uh, yeah, I don't know. How do you think of it when you get stoned? Um, I guess how you describe it is how I used to feel about getting stoned. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, it's it was never really any one of my favorite substances at all. Um, and yeah, it just wasn't very pleasant. But I feel like I've heard people talk about like you have to learn how to be stoned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that was definitely something that I had to do. And like, it took me a long time to do because I really didn't smoke very much at all. Like, Even growing, you grew up in a humble. Growing up, yeah, my mom grew weed. So it was just kind of always around. So it never really held much uh, attraction for me. It wasn't naughty enough. Mm, I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was just, didn't, it didn't, it didn't do it for me at the time now. Like every once in a while I'll smoke. Um, still, I'm, I'm not a functional stoner, so yeah, yeah, it's not something, if I have shit to do, or yeah, if I have to drive or something, I'm like, mm, I love riding in cars high, but oh, really? I really don't like driving, driving 
is the worst for me. I feel like I used to be, I, I was a functional stoner for like a period of time when I was smoking a lot. And I mean, I guess so I smoked a lot throughout high school, not like during school. I wasn't quite that level, but like a lot on the weekends throughout college, a lot on the weekends for me, it was like a big kind of like, it was a really creative drug for me. Like I would, I would smoke it and me and my friends would get together and draw for hours or like mm-hmm. come up with crazy ideas or turn on the camera and make like really funny, like photo shoots and videos. Like it was a huge kind of like social, um, socially creative drug for me and my friends in high school and middle or not middle school, but college and then I think when I moved to New York City I was driving an ice cream truck and one of the fellow ice cream truck drivers like he got me high before one of our one of my training shifts and he just noticed that I was a fucking idiot (laughs) (laughs) in in that instance because I was new to New York I was still figuring things out and I was doing this crazy job like really high volume um, ice cream trucking job and just was like not able to count change or like ha- pass people to cone correctly. So I'm not function. I wasn't high functioning in that sense. You know yeah. What I mean? As a high functioning like creative stoner, but not like oh go out into the world and live your life kind of person. So he was kind of like you know what punky, which is my nickname in the ice cream world. He was like some people can handle their weed. You can't handle your weed. I don't think you should smoke when you're doing the truck. So I was doing the truck seven days a week. So I I stopped smoking that summer. And then kind of just never really took it up again. I think when I would try to smoke here and there, I'd get, like, what I felt was a panic attack where I thought my heart was, like, beating really, really fast. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. I'd have friends, like, touch my heart. They'd be like, you're totally fine. But I would always just feel hyper-anxious instead of, like, relaxed, creative, like... It didn't just didn't bring me the same joy it did when I was younger. Maybe, yeah. And maybe part of that was living in New York City. It's a really high-stress place. Yeah. Getting yeah. stoned in New York City is different than doing it in the woods with your friends, you know? Yeah. Cuckoo. You're licking. Yeah, if you guys hear that, that's uh, my cat. My uh, developmentally disabled cat smacking her lips <laughs> next to me on the couch. But anyway, that was interesting. We Yeah, I smoked a little weed, which I do like once a year at this point. And... Uh, <laughs> drank a little too much that day not enough water not enough water and yeah i ended up crashing out and feeling pretty pretty beat the next day but all we had to do was lay in the park so it wasn't that bad yeah relatively chill relatively chill day had some mate beer that mm-hmm. was nice and I, I miss mate beer yeah Tabba uh, had some spot that he knew that made brews beer with mate it was yummy love mate um, can't wait for the little mate tree to be big enough to kind oh, of harvest yeah. some i have one planted out well it's not planted in the garden but in a pot in the garden mm-hmm. uh what else we've been how well no what was it like for you to go back to san francisco and see your friends oh. it was cool um i miss those guys a lot i feel like uh when i moved to california full-time <clears throat> uh, i transferred schools to san francisco and that was like the first time I ever really had like community or like a crew of people that I hung out with all the time and that would you know like hey so-and-so's having a barbecue let's go there's this party let's go mm-hmm. kind of a thing so because most of my cuckoo you gotta move that smacking is it really loud oh. um most of my life before that like my parents moved a lot um I don't think I ever, I don't think I lived like in, um, you grabbed me a pillow. Oh, sorry. I don't think I lived in like one house more than like two or three years Mm -hmm. at a time. Um, 
Kind of seems like your friend Hiro, I don't know, he, him and his wife, Alita, they were really inspiring to me. And he talked a lot about community. It seems like he's kind of like the kind of person who really keeps people together and kind of like fosters that kind of crew, like hangout, community mentality. Yeah, Do you yeah like- for sure. I mean, it, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't really hard to do i guess because that whole crew is kind of like natives yeah sf natives and like i know you hear me talk shit on like the hipsters and yeah tech bros and everyone all the uh, these uh kind of cultures that were taking over yeah san francisco so yeah i i hung out with like even though i was kind of one of those people too right um but uh I th- uh yeah i hung, hung out with all all natives basically and mm-hmm. Which changes your experience um, of it. Oh yeah, it was be- it was beautiful. Setting. So like, it wasn't that hard to keep it really together because we were all just you know we just mob and like yeah just hang out and be like this little island of uh, of not just natives but brown people yeah. in like um, an increasingly white. increasingly white and thick yeah gentrified city so yeah we just mob around and just like yeah observe these people who are like just scared of us all the time yeah well SF is I feel like especially conducive to like spontaneous hangs and crews and community more so than LA just because you got like I, I, I got to experience BART and Muni this time which was really nice to be like oh this is such a simple transit system which really changes the the social topography of like a space you know mm-hmm. the fact that it's really easy to get places there's you know it seems like most people are taking the public transit rather than driving oh yeah no no one that lives there drives to get around well most most people don't because it's not worth it parking's shit show and mm-hmm. you you're much likely uh much more likely to get there quicker on a bike like mm-hmm. Or taking, yeah, public transportation. So it was cute. It was fun. I, I like going to San Francisco. And, like, see, I don't really don't know that city very well. So it's fun to just catch, like, new little snippets every time I go. Yeah, it's a good spot. Yeah. Fortunately, a lot of the really cool old spots aren't in existence anymore. Yeah. Oh, we also went to, tried to go to Hippie Hill on 420 to kind of see what Temba described as the madness of Hippie Hill on 420. But it was, we got there a little late. Yeah, it was it was even more mad now because it's a lot of yeah out of town people coming in and just yeah we got there super late so it's just like a sea of zombies. It was just people weird. who have been smoking, drinking all day, <laughs> and just like yeah, tons of kind of like these like transient street kids uh, yeah. just come to like party and they're just like yeah zonked. It's really a scene, really weird. But yeah, it was it was it was interesting. Is what it is. <laughs> little trip, little trip. What else? Um, you've been doing the hammer thing still. Yeah, almost done with that. A couple more weeks. Nice. How has um, it been developing since? If for those of you who listened to our last podcast, um, institutional striptease, Temba and his co-performer Dorothy were ta- and I were talking about what their experience dancing at the Hammer Museum has been like. And, uh, yeah, what's it been like since then? Um, well, we, we finally got, like, some backup in the gallery, like, another uh, gallery attendant that's specifically there to watch out for the public behaving badly and help us manage, like, people trying to take pictures of us or, like, yeah, interrupt 
or performance in the middle of it. Or you had somebody um, harass you. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got to the point where I was just fed up. Uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, someone was just, like, harassing me in my face in the middle of the performance, just Verbally. making all these, like, rude comments about my body, and I stopped in the middle and just, like, yeah, to like kind of told her like yeah you're being extremely rude right now i'm trying to perform and you're like disrupting this for everyone and now i have to stop mm-hmm. um and uh i guess before that something else happened uh i think yeah one of the one of the staff members was introducing someone who was i guess they were thinking about writing a piece about the exhibition and like in a conversation with them like it was the first time anyone had asked me from staff about my experience um, doing the thing. And I kind of told them, like, yeah, about the racist shit that was happening, about yeah, how inappropriate people were being. And, yeah, like, later that day, like, the, the uh, what's that person's job? Staff um, coordinator? No. That organizes the art. Oh, curator. Curator, yeah. Like, came down and was like, oh, I heard you bad things. And, like, um, so, yeah, I gave them a little tidbit of, like, yeah, what was going on with me. And, like, is there anything we can do to make this better? I'm like, we need someone in that room with us to help us manage. And they're kind of like, the artist didn't want that. And that's what we were told at the beginning when we brought this up. And, again, I was told that that couldn't happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, after this lady was berating me, like, I was given the opportunity to talk with the HR person and just kind of like unloaded like all the shit that had been going down. And after that lady berated me, I'm just kind of fed up. It was just, mm-hmm. yeah, over it. So, yeah, I mean, just like the workload that was dumped on us was just completely unfair for what we were getting paid and just having no, um, just the sense that the institution like did not think that there would be any problem with people uh, taking surprise, their clothes surprise off stripping. in a surprise. Yeah, I'm just like, how do you not think that something could go wrong with that? And how do you um, leave like leave the performers hanging like that? And it's just yeah, the 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 curator like talked with me later and just kind of like yeah, just. I mean, I, I appreciated the conversation and that they were finally doing something about it, but it's just. You know, a little too like too 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 little too late. Yeah, you guys are almost done. I mean, you've been doing it for three months, and to like suddenly consider that these human beings that are essentially being treated as art objects within the show might actually be human beings and not art objects. It's just it's it's a huge oversight and. Um, very dehumanizing oversight obviously yeah and the dehumanization that it seems that you and i mean it seems to me like especially you have experienced um yeah pretty much everyone else is white they don't have to deal with a whole nother level yeah i mean the women the women too the women yeah the women have had to deal with a different kind of dehumanization objectification and harassment a very different type than you, but um, you are the only performer who's been consistently reported as being dangerous in a sense. Yeah. You know, no one yeah. else is being like clocked and reported as a dangerous person or a, a harmful person in the course of that. Like, 
the women are dealing, I, I think, with something different. They're dealing with dangerous people approaching them, you know, like in a sense, kind of trying to invade their space, get in their face. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I mean, will, I've had will, some of that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but they've been, I don't think they've had the flip side of what you've experienced, yeah. which is being treated like a predator or treated like a, yeah, basically a predator. Um, so all of that is something that like, one would hope that an artist who's working throughout the world would think about how race and gender play into the pieces that he makes in different spaces and cultures and uh, different echelons of the art world and things like that. But that has very clearly not been a concern whatsoever. And frankly, why should it be for him? He doesn't need to think of it that way yeah <laughs> he just puts on a she's like a kind of like a con man he puts a show on and you know leaves town and whatever happens happens yeah in my opinion that's <sighs> me well almost done almost it done. was definitely a learning experience for you and uh for hopefully for the institution i mean they yeah they've got a lot of shit that they need to uh pick up the ball on for Every, every any other performances yeah. that they have there and especially if it's like something yeah in a sexual nature i mean it's just so it's just so common i it, like i have a, a i feel like i am um, a little jaded or something like it's so common for me to hear about situations where performers or artists um who aren't on like the upper echelons of the art world and like this the celebrity art uh like cast within that world you know mm. that uh, are tre- mistreated and always an afterthought and i don't know i have very little faith in the institution <laughs> which is at the heart of it i mean me. they don't really have any real like uh what's the right word um not influence but uh any real motivation to really because i mean they're operating on some really old systems with old money with old money and old money doesn't care if a brown person's being treated like a no i mean the their only fear is that publicly they might be made out to be yeah is is, yeah the fear of like the you know the the sjw hordes might catch wind i think it's all kind of backpedaling you know yeah um but and it, there's a and it's like a huge generosity for you and your co-performers to even take the time to teach you know by sharing your experience you are teaching them what they shouldn't what they should be more aware of in the future you know and that's a huge emotional i feel it to me i feel like that's a huge emotional toll to do that kind of labor um for an institution when they have their million billion dollars where they could be learning they could have somebody they could have some a staff member who's making sure that these kind of things are being taken care of you know and just they don't but they don't want to do that yeah i mean that's a suggestion i made to the hr person and i know i'm not the only person who's made that suggestion like um yeah one of my co-workers another performer also said something very similar Mm -hmm. but it is what it is. I mean, I, I will say that I definitely didn't expect that the things that have happened to you would happen when we first auditioned. And, you know, I just thought this is going to be a, a... This is cool. You're going to get paid to perform. I think you were excited too initially, right? Yeah. I mean, I 
I assumed given the nature of what we were doing, there was going to be some level, but I didn't really think it was going to be quite to the extent mm-hmm. that it was. Um, so in a sense, I feel like, I feel like their ignorance is natural in a certain sense. I was certainly not envisioning these things were going to happen, but the, the point is from the get go, once some things started things rising happened. and you Nobody, suggested, yeah, yeah y'all but, suggested that this should happen. It didn't happen. Well, I, I don't think things had happened yet. It was still like, yeah, re- rehearsal process and like, yeah, the artist shut it down and, yeah, but right. things happened and like people at the museum knew things happened, but no one came to talk to anyone else and say, Hey, so-and-so had XYZ happen to them. Is anything mm-hmm. happening to you? please let us know what can we do to remedy this. There was no powwow about it. It was like mm-hmm. they talked to that individual and then everyone else was just kind of, eh. I mean, yeah, they, they did send out like an email, I think after something else happened mm-hmm. and was kind of like, hey, this is what we're doing. You guys don't have to dance through anything. But that was already like an instruction we had already mm-hmm. had, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there, there wasn't really at least that I can remember any real conversation like what's your experience kind of a thing there was like a lot of casual hey how's it going mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah oh well what else have we been doing working on the line working on the line yes for those of you who heard I think in the last episode we started our sacred sadism yeah Stuff. We've been working on some new things that have been taking a lot of time. Yeah. Um, I guess we're not going to talk about them. No, we can't talk about it until... I mean, we could. We're choosing not to, which yeah. <laughs> is like an interesting thing in and of itself. Maybe we can kind of break that down. It's really weird to run a business. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> I mean, I don't think we're... I don't know. I don't... You don't think of us as a business. I mean, it is in some ways, but it's, I feel like we're... I guess what I mean is, to me, the project is a conceptual art piece that takes the form of a business. Just like in the past, the projects I've been of, like, conceptual art piece that takes the form of a mobile monastery, that mm-hmm. takes the form of a church, that takes the form of uh, an S&M healer, whatever. Like, I've done, uh, all of my work is always, like, a like, I find a little form to fit the work into for a period of time and that's but you try to fill that form as act like as accurately to like the like the model as you can right so when I was doing church I was really doing church you know what I mean to me we're doing business a business that is conceptual at its core but it's also we're, we're running it as a business right I feel like there's so much about it that's like a little bit of a mind fuck for me sometimes like when I was just before we started podcasting and doing like a spreadsheet you know <laughs> like it's just a mind it's like one of, I don't know how to describe it it's like one of these things where like I try to be really careful when I start projects now that I'm like 10 years into this like weird relational art practice thing to like not believe what I'm doing too much yeah but it's really hard it's like method acting right Relational mm-hmm. art is, like, a little bit, my, like, method acting. And it's, like, when I was a monk, I was, like, constantly having to be, like, you're not really a monk. <laughs> like, you are not. You don't really have to, like, self-flagellate. You don't really have to be an aesthetic. Like, this is a performance, but it's relational performance art. So, I don't know. I guess for me, it's, like, kind of trying to be, like, all right, well, we're doing this 
as an art piece, but it is a business. We are selling things for real money. You know what I mean? It's not conceptual in that sense. Yeah. There is real money being exchanged and real labor going into it. Yes. And real expenses going into it. So, I mean, but I mean, that's what all art is like, right? Definitely. But I guess, yeah, I guess for me, it's kind of funny just to kind of on a daily basis be thinking of like, okay, because I'm kind of running the Instagram and I'm thinking of making, thinking things like, okay, so we're going to run a sale, you know, how do you run a sale and not sound hokey or not sound like not make it sound icky. Like, for example, the other day was Earth Day. Was that yesterday? That was yesterday. Yesterday was Earth Day and I was like, well, we're like an eco eco-fetishist uh line of toys tools tools we should probably thank you we should probably in the verbiage is so important for marketing (laughs) um we should probably make sure that we you know do an earth day thing but then i was showing it to you we were both kind of like this is weird yeah yucky um yucky like there's a lot about it that's weird and yucky to me. Like getting into the mindset of a business owner. Yeah, but it, I feel like it doesn't have to be. Like what we ended up doing was creative and interesting, and I feel like yeah, uh, we together are finding ways of making um, it not yucky. Yeah, for ourselves and 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 make it something yet yeah, interesting. Like whether it's like yeah, just talking about. I don't know. Yeah, whatever little promo we want to run, and mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I I think putting that energy into it, whether someone reads it and like decides they want to do like act on it or not, like makes it an interesting thing. Makes it a story. Makes it like you know, it's not just like order today and save ten percent. Like right, but it's also and it's also I mean that's that's like in line with the way that the piece is being run on social media, you know what I mean? Because, like, really smart social media, Instagram sale, uh, Instagram business brands are, like, like they're, it's so premeditated, you know what I mean? And it almost has to be because social media was not made initially to, like, sell products. It was made to sell personality brands, in a sense, and sell in, like, the loosest sense of the term, you know? Appeal to, gain attention, currency from, whatever. Um, but so now that it's like evolved to this point of like people really running like for real businesses that launch off off of Instagram, I've been, I've been spending months, you know, like studying all these different kind of like, um, single like artist, artist people who have started brands and started selling their things on Instagram. And it's really like, it's a, it's like a kind of, it's just like an, like an emergent, it's an emergent business model, I guess, is what I'm saying. So it's mm-hmm. like figuring out what that particular business model is is different than like an ad in the newspaper or on TV or on the radio or something like that. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's trippy because like, you know, I'm scared of uh, becoming a money mongering monster. I don't think we will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's all I'm saying is like when you get into that mindset, it's like... It's just a head, it's a mind fuck. Mm. Maybe you don't know what I mean as much because I think, like, you get to spend much more time doing, like, the creative, like, working with the wood and things like that. I'm spending my time doing the, the heady stuff, so that's where my head is at, and it can be kind of weird. But that's why I'm so glad we have our partnership, too, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I feel like you're able to be like, oh, that's, that's weird. 
<laughs> like if I'm like working on some kind of marketing thing, you're like, no, that's 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 strange. You're right. It, it, it feels weird. Um, I don't know. I think that's a good balance to have. Definitely. You know. It's, yeah, it's, I think yeah, it's crucial to have yeah someone to bounce stuff off of and yeah yeah or yeah anytime I can I'm just like want me to send that email yeah yeah, yeah. what can I do <laughs> yeah might, yeah all the admin stuff I mean that's I mean that's all stuff that I've had to do as an artist you know what I mean like press and promo and admin and emails and all that it's just different when you, I don't know there's just there's something really yeah trippy about doing it when I'm thinking of it as a business I just feel like there's a whole kind of like I don't, even, I don't know how to... I don't know how to articulate it. It's like there's a a chorus of, like, voices in my head of, like, this is how you're supposed to do it. And I think that has to do with being, like, re- raised in, like, a capitalist culture. That's like, this is how you're supposed to do it because you're supposed to make the most amount of money. Mm. Here's how you do it. So it's almost like this, like, weird, like... It's almost like capitalism has its own, like, consciousness... Is that a weird thing? Is that? I don't think so. Does that make <laughs> sense? I mean, yeah, definitely. Because if you look at corporations, corporations are entities. Right. That, yeah, they're they're kind of a weird life form. Yeah. So I just feel this strange, like, yeah, it's almost like a devil on your shoulder kind of feel. I have like it's like a devil on your shoulder feeling of like do it this way, make the most money. Da da da. Maybe that comes from me, but I also feel like it's a product of my environment. You know, Just kick that little bitch off there. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> like it's okay in some ways. I'm like I'm also like this is like wherever the project goes, and we can decide to take it anywhere. We can decide to run it as like clear as like a clear cut, like as uh, ethically sound businesses we want. We could also take it into some, like, freaky other directions, you know? Yeah. What if we become a corrupt business intentionally? Intentionally. <laughs> and bring it, you know what I mean? I'm just saying, like, there, it's, there's, there's, I don't think we're going to do that, you know what I mean? Because that would be too, that would be fucked up. But, like, it doesn't have to, you know, the idea of running, like, a good business or a sound business, it doesn't need to be, like... It doesn't need to be such a, like, straight arrow. I don't think so. And I don't think it needs to be super complicated either. No, it's not, but I'm just, that's yeah. the kind of person I am. I just think I get in all the crevasses of something when I'm like, working. I appreciate that about you. Uh-huh. You're, you're really good. I'm good. You're really good. I'm good. <laughs> but yeah, what else are we going to work on with that? We have our, So we have a new part of the line we're going to put out, which is exciting. Yeah. Where we will no longer be only eco-fetish impact objects, impact art objects. We will now yes. rebrand as <laughs> eco-fetish art objects because we're no longer going to do only impact art objects. So that'll be interesting when that comes around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Got some collaborations we're going to do. And yeah. Some exciting collaborations. That'll be fun. Uh, what else is new? Mm-hmm. We harvested our first beat from the garden today. That was exciting. Genevieve's been dying to like pull, pull shit out of the ground. Pull something up already. We've got some like garlic and she's always like, can we pull up the garlic? Is it ready? <laughs> I want to pull up the garlic. I tried pulling one up and it was decidedly not ready. There wasn't even a bulb there, but they're huge. I guess just I'm... let them grow. 
<laughs> this is why I have Tumba around. But and you have you have such patience for some things, and you're so impatient for other things, and I'm so patient for some things, and I'm patient for others. It's the the beauty of our balance. We balance it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the garden's looking great. We're gonna have a little sunflower forest. There's a lot of strawberries. Lots of new. I don't know what coming up. Freesia. Everything. Yeah. Freesia weed. Oh, I know what else. Hmm. So I, yeah, I guess I've been yeah thinking about this, this project for a little bit, inspired by uh, Genevieve super into coffee. So I've been like figuring out how to roast coffee, mm-hmm. um, and experiment with beans from different places, uh, for her, and because you don't drink coffee. I don't. Yeah, not really. I just I have <laughs> sips to taste it. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to do kind of we were talking about like community and stuff like that. And I, I wanted to do something to start getting friends together because um, I feel like I, I have a tendency to kind of uh, just I don't know, I guess just because of how, how I grew up traveling so much and moving around so much. I'm not really that great at, if I'm not like have some structure that all puts me with my friends all the time uh like like a job or uh some activity that i we all do together or something like that that's like scheduled and we're all supposed to be there like i kind of bad at staying in touch <laughs> not really staying in touch but like like going out of your way to hang yeah scheduling hangouts and stuff like that i'm kind of bad at that um, but so I wanted to do some like coffee ceremonies as like kind of a project, uh, invite people over and, um, kind of model them after like the Ethiopian coffee ceremony. Um, I was thinking about that as, yeah, kind of a way of getting in touch with some roots. I mean, like, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a super mutt, so part of my heritage comes from most likely East or West Africa. <clears throat> but my name is East African. Um, so Temba Jelani, both of them. Yeah. So Jelani J- Temba is Swa- is Zulu, um, and Jelani is Swahili. Um, Those are both both West African tribes. No. No. Those are- <laughs> Swahili is a language. Uh, oh, you said and, East African. Yes. Yeah. Swahili is a language and Zulu is a tribe. Um, so, uh, yeah, in, in honor of that, try, I'm going to do this kind of, uh, yeah, Ethiopian coffee ceremony to get some friends together. And um, So what does it require? What do you, what's the preparation for it? Uh, I wasn't going to talk about that, but basically just, yeah, basically just, uh, uh, like hand, hand roasting the beans, grinding them and go, going from basically green, green coffee to a finished product. Um, and the whole while it's done with people around and conversing and sharing in observing and experiencing the process of making coffee. It's pretty beautiful because I feel like coffee for me and many people is just such a 
compulsive, knee-jerk, fast, there it is, very wasteful experience. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's beautiful, one thing, that you're not a coffee drinker, because I think you're not, you don't, I don't feel like you, you just don't, it doesn't seem like you engage with that kind of, I don't know, that compulsive consumption thing. Maybe sugar, Mm. maybe with sugar, but not. I don't know if that's a, that does that's not on par with caffeine. No, I feel like sugar comes from a different place though too, because yeah. it was something I was denied right. having right. as a kid. Right, it's a um, real treat. Yeah, coffee because coffee is not a treat for most people. I would say I I'm just throwing that out there. I think it's it's like a yeah, it's like a drug for the majority of people. It's like a fu- uh, they're non-functional without their coffee, or it's a. It's a, it can be a ritual, and some people treat mm-hmm. it more like a ritual than others. I feel like you've ritualized coffee with me yeah, by, by making it a thing where when I wake up in the morning, Temba makes me my coffee, which is like, score, I got the best, <laughs> best husband on earth, for one thing. And then it's also just made it a little bit less like... I've, I've, there have been times in my life where, for me, the ritual was like going to the coffee shop, buying the coffee, and that was like to me the part of coffee that I enjoyed mm-hmm. then there's been other times where I'm like no I'm going to make it at home I'm doing this thing for myself now I really enjoy that the ritual is something we do together you know where you are making me the beans and you're you really enjoy seem to enjoy brewing it for me and finding, oh, yeah. like, finding like the perfect way of doing it and yeah, it's I'm made gonna... it less like obviously I still need my coffee <laughs> But it makes me feel like a little less compulsive about it because now it's like a social activity, something that we do together, you know, yeah. even if you're not partaking of the beverage with me. I have a sip just to see what it's like. Yeah. Um, so many people drink bad coffee, too. That's... Oh, it's crazy. At my work. Um... How do people drink Starbucks? Like, I don't even drink coffee with a burnt shit. Like, how do people drink a, people, like, they're just used dark to roast? It. It's disgusting. You, like, kill oh. all the flavor. <laughs> yeah, dark roast is really not good. And. I finally fixed the coffee at work. Like, I took it upon myself in the past few weeks to, like... Did you, like, figure out how to lower the heat? Well, the, 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 so my I work at a restaurant, and they have Stumptown Coffee. And Stumptown Coffee is, like, really good coffee. It's roasted here in L.A. It's, like, over in the Arts District. Um, it's really good. It's a bright, fruity, light or city roast, I would say. High caffeine. That's why I like it, probably. And I also like, like, a, I like bright, fruity, uh, citrusy coffees. Um... But we had, so we get this awesome and expensive Stumptown coffee at my restaurant that I work at, and it tastes fucking terrible. I drink it anyway. I drink it every time I'm there. <laughs> but um, it just, it tastes really bad. So uh, the, the Stumptown guy had, like, come in to fix the coffee machine somehow, because I think I'd been mentioning to one of the managers, like, this just isn't how it's supposed to taste. And so they had him come in. And look at it, and I, and so they managed to fix it, and we've basically been doing double the amount of coffee you're supposed to do for every batch. Oh, wow. So, so it was just, just like, like, stupid strong. St- stupid strong, and, like, not delicious, and they got us a scoop, and they, like, printed out and laminated it, so the Stumptown people laminated instructions, we're finally making the coffee good. Because I'm a coffee snob, and I hate seeing that stuff go to waste, <laughs> and, and they were wasting their money by do, do, brewing double batches that taste like shit. You know, it's burning through it. Oh, but anyway, I love the idea of this coffee ceremony because I feel like it's just first a beautiful way for you to bring your friends together, you know, and to kind of just like it's just like a little social practice thing of like here's a way of being more intentional about this one 
primarily compulsive part of Western culture, you know? I don't know. I, I feel like other cultures, uh, maybe like European mostly is what I'm thinking, and Scandinavian, they treat their coffee consumption very different. It's not the way America runs on Dunkin' does, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you're running to work, get your coffee, buy your cup, you know? Gotta stay awake, gotta... And also just the waste. You know one thing I wanted to talk about on this episode? It's like I've noticed a lot of people um, who I know on social are like talking a lot about cutting back on plastic and stuff like that and plastic straws and plastic cups. And I've been thinking about that too and how that is like a very, very simple change that you can make in your lifestyle to not use so much of that garbage, you know? You can get a metal straw. I've seen those. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like I'm just trying to think like how much plastic we go through. We we shop at Trader Joe's and Trader Joe's is kind of like yeah, it's kind of garbage. It's kind of garbage for like a waste free lifestyle because you just yeah, there's a lot of plastic wrap. You can't recycle that. I don't think. Maybe you can because you do. Um, you do. Well, you should talk about your plastic wrap suspensions too. While we're on the subject of plastic Um, wrap. I think you can... You can recycle some plastic wrap. I think... I mean, it's one of those things where it has to be clean, though, too. Yeah. Because I think if there's, like, food on it, then they can't do much with it. Or it, like, fucks up the shit. Because, like... uh, uh, Oh, never mind. Um, But for the city of L.A., like... The green bins is where you put, like, plant waste, and they'll, like, mulch it, and you can go to a place and pick up the mulch. But there, I, I used to do that for the garden a lot, and I stopped doing that because people would always put plastic. Oh, there'd be plastic pl- in the yeah, mulch. Yeah, there'd be plastic shards in the mulch and glass. Just, oh. So I'd have to, like, when I picked up the, the mulch, I'd have to, like, sift through it and pull out all this fucking plastic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you have to... When you're yeah, when you put your recycling in the recycling bin, please make sure it's clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think you can do some some plastic wrap. Um, oh yeah, and I've been doing started doing this series that I've been thinking about for a little while, of doing uh, suspensions with uh, shrink wrap, like uh, they'll use to like. Uh, Shrink wrap pallets. Shrink wrap pallets with... Um, pallets of whatever. Material cargo. Shipping shit. Stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think we've done two shoots so far, both with you modeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to figure out a style with it. Uh, some of the stuff that I've seen done with plastic wrap, it's not it's not super common in like BDSM suspension. Mm-hmm. Um but a lot of it's a lot of kind of like mummification style and then hooking suspension off of the mummification. And so I'm trying to figure out, a, or hey, I've been developing a style of doing it and making it look a little more pretty, I guess. Yeah, the last one was really beautiful. If you guys look at Temba's Instagram, which is at Tembizzle, T-E-M-B-I-Z-Z-L-E. That's right. Um... You'll see some of the, or both of the last ones that he did, which is hanging from me, hanging from a tree. It's pretty interesting. I mean, I really enjoy, I really enjoy it as like a meditative, uh, I guess bottoming. I guess in a way, like, I guess I feel like when I model, when I'm modeling for it, I don't really feel like I'm bottoming. Yeah. I, th- I feel like I feel the same around like, yeah, the few kind of BDSM performances I've done. It's, yeah. 
it's more it's more performance yeah performer space it's more performing modeling yeah not and just kind of make, trying to make sure that you're aiding the artist and whatever they're trying to achieve I could see it being pretty fun to do though in like an S an actual S and M setting, you know, or scene. Yeah, there's a lot of fun possibilities you could do with it. Um, yeah, I mean, just I think because I think we don't do too much full bondage together. Yeah, not not a whole lot, but I think it's because it doesn't appeal to either of us that much. But there's maybe. still room. I don't know. I have a, I have an idea for a little scene. Oh yeah. Yeah. Should I plug my ears and you can tell the audience? No, because you'll listen to this later. <laughs> no. Then it'll ruin the surprise. You tried to <laughs> trick me. We are going to go to a play party on Friday, which is yeah, pretty exciting. It'll be exciting. Um, this local group called Obsidian LA um, is a group and play party uh, collective uh, kind of geared towards uh, persons of color. Queer persons. Queer of persons of color. Um, it should be awesome to to experience, experience a that. not pri- primarily white BDSM space. Yeah. Have you ever experienced that before? No, no. A uh, big thing for people who don't know that much about BDSM is that it's a, a, a predominantly white people. It's, it has like a major kind of class and uh, what do you what do you call it? You don't call it caste in the West. What do you call it? Like social socioeconomic socioeconomic system of like tends to be wet more well-off people because parties tend to be expensive tends to be older well-off older well-off white people um so i think it's really yeah you had gone to the munch that obsidian had i popped Mm -hmm. in for a minute um because i was at work for most of it but uh it's exciting to have that space definitely it's yeah it's it's a it's a good thing mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah, if any of you are in LA and are interested in the group, I think their all their social media is under Obsidian LA. They have Instagram, Facebook, Fat Life, Fat Life. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll probably we'll get back on that after we've experienced. Maybe we'll talk a little bit. About yeah, that. maybe we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may do a scene. We'll see. We're gonna go and suss it out. See how how we're feeling. Um, is the scene a surprise? Is that the scene you're talking about? Mm, excuse me. Um, no, it could be that. I don't know. We were we talked a little bit about doing like a little electro play one. Oh, that's right. But yeah. we could do the other one. I don't know. Maybe we'll yeah. have to talk about that. Maybe off what podcast. <laughs> our listeners might not know what electro play is. Do you want to tell them what what that might entail for um, us? Electroplay is just uh, when you're incorporating uh, devices that use electricity as part of the play. So it could be something like an e-stim unit, uh, which is something that uh, traditionally is used to stimulate your nervous system, like your muscles. If you think of, it wasn't like a, a, a infomercial thing where they had those little pads you put on your muscles and it zapped your muscles and made them contract so you didn't mm-hmm. have to actually work out. You go, like, I'm working out and watching TV. <laughs> yeah. So it's something kind of like that. Uh, yeah, that stimulates has muscles. Many different uh, attachments and ways that you can hook up, like the controller to a body, like mm-hmm. your butt plug or a cup I have cage. A, or... I have an Easton vi- dildo vibrator, yeah. which um, is really, I've only tried it once because so it's kind of wild. A lot of different possibilities you can do with e-stim. Um, there's also things like 
violet wands uh, or neon wands, which are uh, like an old electrotherapy tool originally. But you say people like dermatologists? Yeah, I've had, before I ever had experienced uh, the neon wand or the violet wand, I... When I first experienced it in like a kink setting, I was like, why is this so familiar? Because it creates um, a layer, of, it creates an ozone off gas. Is that what you would call that? Something like that. Yeah, it's definitely a distinct ozone smell. There's when you a, use yeah, it. there's a smell when you use it. And I was like, why is this familiar? And I realized uh, when I used to get facials in New York City, there was one dermatologist, I, or not dermatologist, but facialist who I went to who would use it because it kills bacteria. It's like a low enough uh, electric frequency to kill bacteria clear your pore clean your pores up of all that stuff that creates uh breakouts when bacteria is hanging out in there so yeah it can be used in that way you don't want to use it like on or around your eyes you want to be pretty careful about using it around the heart or if you have a pacemaker or Mm -hmm. any sort of electronic implant device Uh, but but tamba has a kit yeah it's one of my favorite tools <laughs> yeah you really have to see it you really have to experience when i was working at stockroom um the bdsm and sex store and uh, latex fashion store um that was my favorite part of the job was doing the demo the pilot mm-hmm. one demos on people because if they'd never experienced before it was just so incredible to watch people kind of be scared of it a lot of times at first you know oh my god this is going to be scary and intense and then experience would be like this is yeah so cool this is an amazing thing and i they, they you see their eyes light up and their wheels start turning the possibilities of incorporating it into into play or sex with their partner. Yeah, it's, it's really not that scary, but it can be mean. Temba uses it in a very mean way. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's there's an attachment to the Violet Wand called the Power Tripper, which allows you sort of um, creates a circuit out of you, in a sense, or anyone you touch, and you're able to conduct electricity using just your fingertips or any other tool you use that can also conduct electricity like metal. Or if you have to, yeah, it has to be a to be conductive metal. substance. So mo- most silicone commonly metal or, or uh, conductive, conductive silicone. silicone. Yeah. Um, so there's some tools that you can use with that that are pretty scary to me, <laughs> <laughs> which is fun. That's part of the fun is getting scared and getting out of your comfort zone and moving through it. It's part yeah. of the joy of BDSM. I also have my cattle prod, which I'm super in love with, but, barely get to use yeah the cattle prod gets scarier and scarier as time goes on <laughs> it's the best most people know what a cattle prod is i assume um we talked about it because we it used it you used it on me for the first time at uh burning man and then Tampa bought one and it hangs above our uh on a wall above a door frame and yeah, so sits there and he likes to take it out from time to time. Brandish it. Brandish like... it. And I get, I'm really getting more scared of it the more that it's been used on me. Not because it's like, not because it's actually that intense, the feeling of it. It's not that bad. It doesn't hurt you. It doesn't mark you really. It's just one of those things where like the anticipation of it is terrifying yeah what you think yeah when when it was used on me yeah the the anticipation is way worse than the actual sensation yeah and it's so it's almost like the first time i did it was the best time because i had no idea what to expect (laughs) the second time was good too because they gave me the shot of liquor with it but every time since it's just scary it's i don't know why i don't know what it is about that thing gets scary the psychological terror is quite delightful yeah (laughs) 
But so we'll probably, yeah, we're going to do a scene there, and that should be fun, because we haven't done too much public play besides at Burning Man, and... Yeah. Yeah, I haven't really done a whole lot. Okay, yeah, so we'll get to experiment and explore that a little bit. And I, I think I'm excited about this space. I'm really... I'm. Yeah, the space is really awesome where it's being hosted. It's uh, a really beautiful dungeon um, that's not super dungeon-y, which you know if anyone knows about me and my BDSM aesthetics is pretty important to me, I guess. It's not the the, the dark uh, velvet curtains and black leather. <laughs> it's not my thing. So this dungeon is really like light and airy and they call it the apple store of dungeons so it kind of has that aesthetic to it which i like and appreciate that'll be fun it will yeah Twill. maybe yeah we should do a podcast after yeah talk about it yeah our experience and maybe by yeah. then we'll have released our toys too and we can talk about some of the new things tools 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 <laughs> i don't know that's probably not gonna be enough time though because it takes a while to cure <gasps> <laughs> uh, that could probably um, be it. Anything yeah. else? No, not that I can think of. Um, let's try to do more of these. Um, we say that every time. We do. We're just gonna. But do we it. should, even if we don't have say anything specific. Let's just try to get in the practice. Just getting on and talking. If like you we guys did today. don't mind us just blabbering. Blabbering. If you're curious about our to- tools. tools, I almost did it too. Um, we're on Instagram at Sacred Sadism, also sacredsadism.com. Check us out if you haven't already. And you can also email sacredsadism at gmail.com. Um, if you're interested in purchasing any of the objects we have, or you want to write press, or you want to collaborate on a photo shoot or something like that, we're, we're always down to hear what people are uh, inspired about. Because a lot of people are super inspired by it really nice yeah to yeah. get the kind of interest that we've gotten on the line because uh, it's out there people want to be uh incorporating plants into their sex life i knew it why not i knew it <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah that should be it uh also if you've been listening for a while we'd love to know that you're out there if you want to drop us a email or Tell us things that uh, you love to hear about, questions you have about us, our practice, our lives, questions you want answered. Oh, yeah. Advice. Questions you want answered, advice. We or... give advice. We can't promise it would be sound advice. Things you want us to talk about. <laughs> yeah, things that you're curious. Why you guys uh, such freaks. Those kind of questions. <laughs> we love that. If you want us to send us a you know, picture of my uh, developmentally disabled cat. Whatever you need. We got you. So that's it for this episode. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cosmic Halitosis. If you have questions or comments or want to yell something at us, email us at cosmic, with a K, halitosis, cosmichalitosis at gmail.com. Please subscribe and like the podcast. And you can follow us on our personal Instagram accounts. I am Gorgeous Taps. And Temba is Tembizzle. T-E-M-B-I-Z-Z-L-E. Thanks for listening.